Thank you so much, Joyce. So over the last uh, couple of weeks in our church, we've been having a teaching series on faith. And so I am just going to continue that now. Christmas is coming, isn't it? And uh, now I've got small children, it feels like Christmas is starting earlier and earlier. Suddenly, our house is a collection of costumes, and the backdrop soundtrack of our house is the songs that they're learning for the various productions that they are in. And uh, my six-year-old girl, Joy, is currently writing a nativity for our wider family to perform as part of our Christmas Day celebrations. And she did this last year when she was only five. Uh, We all had characters, we had handmade costumes, and we had a script that each of us was given that actually flowed with a remarkable accuracy to the Bible account. It was quite something. I was given the part of Joseph, and Joy was Mary. And uh, I've got to tell you that it was one of the proudest moments in my journey of fatherhood. So fast forward to this year, and a couple of weeks ago, she starts writing her scripts again. Each character prepared a separate sheet of your contribution to the Christmas story. Oh, great, I said to Joy. Am I Joseph again? No, Daddy, she says. You're angel number three. So if this morning you think, is Dave all right? Looks like his self-confidence has been given a bit of a knock. (laughs) Then I just wanted to explain about my nativity relegation and the the effect that it's had on me. (coughs) You will be pleased to know that later on in that conversation I found out that Joy was in fact angel number one. So there was still some tag-teaming happening there, which is great. So anyway, this series looking at faith, and it just so happens that this morning's talk comes on such a special morning where we've had the excitement of a dedication and two baptisms. We've heard the response of faith of parents and the response of faith of Christian believers. So I'm conscious as well that there are some people here who will have heard the previous talks in this series, and yet there's some of you who will be here because you're friends and family of the people who've been involved. And so I want to try and strike, strike the right chord, uh, considering all the different people listening. But for it to make a bit more sense, I do need to backtrack just a little with a very brief overview of what we've heard so far. First of all, we looked at saving faith. What a fantastic subject on a morning where people have given testimony of how they've come to a living faith in Jesus. Saving faith, the fact that when we come to God, we don't come to him with a big long list of the things that we've done right in our life and hope that he finds us acceptable. But we come to God and we put our faith completely and totally in the work of Jesus. The most common misconception that there is in our country is that Christianity is people trying to be good in order to be acceptable to God. This is not the Christian message. The Christian message is that Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has done everything that we need to be made right 
with God and to be in relationship with him. And so that's what we need to do. We need to put our faith in him, faith in who he is and faith in what he has done. And you have heard this morning through Emily and Jason the most profound stories of what happens when people do that. That's a massive subject all on its own. And if you're interested in finding out more than like they did, I recommend the Alpha Course as a wonderful opportunity to explore what Jesus has done and the effect that it can have on us. We're not saved by our own good deeds but through Jesus as we put our faith in him. And then next up, we looked at active faith. We explored the fact that when someone says that they have a living faith in Jesus, that they've put their faith in him, then it will make a difference to their life. If someone says that they're a follower of Jesus, but it doesn't seem to have made any tangible difference to their attitudes or their actions, then there's a question mark there. Lots of people could say that they were Christian because they were living in a Christian country or they were born into a Christian culture. But actually, what, what matters isn't somebody's background or their, uh, where they were brought up or, or what their family did. What matters is that person's individual faith. And if they have an active faith, then that will be obvious. It will influence who they are and how they live. So we're saved by faith and and, and that will cause like a heart change inside us that will change us. And again, you've heard that. You've heard Emily and uh, Jason just so clearly talk about the actual tangible difference that following Jesus has made in their life. It's not inconspicuous. It's not a private secret thing. Something has actually happened. It's not that to have an active Christian faith doesn't mean that we're trying to be a do-gooder or or we're trying to earn favour with God. But actually God's changed us on the inside and that has caused a change to the way we live, the way we act and the way we think. So fast forward to this week and our subject this morning is the gift of faith. And in order to kick us off, I'm going to read a passage uh, that Paul wrote in the New Testament to a church in the city of Corinth. And so if we could just have the, uh, the words up, Andy, that would be great. There are different kinds of spirits, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. <coughs> to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So it appears that alongside saving faith, that brings us to a revelation of Jesus, alongside our faith being outworked in our life, there seems to be another way that the word faith is used in the Bible, describing a spiritual gift of faith. 
It seems that different people have all sorts of different gifts that stir up and bless the church. Wisdom, knowledge, miraculous powers, prophecy. And right in the middle of the list is faith itself. So everyone who's a Christian believer has faith in the sense that they have a living faith in Jesus. But actually it feels like there's this thing called faith that's a gift that we can grow in. And that's what we're going to be exploring this morning. This use of the word faith is a little bit different. It seems to be about how much we believe that we will see God move in our everyday life. It seems to be about our perspective of who God is and how we see the big picture unfolding in front of us rather than our own circumstances. And just like miraculous acts or prophecy or healing or the other things on that list, as a Christian, we would know that those things have clearly been given by God. No one suggests that that's stuff that we generate inside ourselves. And so it is that there seemed to be a faith, a, a, a gift of faith that we can receive from God and we can grow in our everyday understanding of who he is And just how much he can actually do. And yet even this idea in sort of growing in the gift of faith can be a little bit confusing. On the one hand, probably everyone in this room has heard of a a figure like Mother Teresa. And the idea that uh, uh, um, a a nun could go uh, into Calcutta and have such a radical impact on alleviating people's suffering in that city through her faith. We would say, well, there is a woman of great faith. And the world around us, people of any religion would say, that is a woman of remarkable faith. But the flip side of that is you might get the excited person jumping up and down on the stage on the Christian TV channels, asking you, the viewer, to show faith by sending him $50. And it gets a bit confusing. Or when bad things are happening to someone, sometimes you hear things that sound a little bit like, well, you just need to have more faith. They didn't have enough faith. And I just think we need to sort of hang on a minute there and think about that. Faith is a wonderful thing that brings hope and life and encouragement and sees God work in power. Faith is not a stick to beat people with, a judgment to make against other people, and it never, ever costs $50. In the confusion surrounding faith, who can we ask? Where can we turn to to help iron out our thinking And our understanding, well, if faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit and it was Jesus himself who promised to send the Holy Spirit, then let's ask Jesus. And that's exactly what his followers did, quite literally, in Luke 17 from verse 5. If we could have those verses up. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So they walk up to Jesus quite literally and say, increase our faith. It's that simple. We want to grow in faith. Please, Jesus, help us grow our faith. 
and he gives them an absolutely fascinating answer. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. This seems like quite an odd answer at first reading, but Jesus is really helping them to get into the depths of their own question. He strengthens our faith by telling us that the crucial issue appears to be not the quantity of our faith, but the power of the God who we have faith in. It's not like an individual believer has kind of like a faithometer. And when we manage to fill the tank up to 80%, out pops a miracle in our life. It doesn't quite work like that. If you have faith, even the size of a teeny tiny mustard seed, but that faith is in the right object of faith, then amazing things will happen. It doesn't seem to be linked to the size of our faith in one sense. A tiny amount of faith can make an enormous difference. What seems to make the difference is who we put our faith in. Who we're asking and what we're asking. God has the power, in this case, the power to move the tree that Jesus is pointing out. Now whether that tree actually moves depends on his power, his wisdom his love, and his will. This is not some unique kind of Jedi mind trick that Christians now have. We come to your house at Christmas and look, I have faith. I can move your tree. It's not like that in the slightest. But we can learn to trust that God can and does move in remarkable and astonishing ways. And if anything stands in the way of the work of God or the will of God, then faith can move it, however deep-rooted and unmoving it may look. The theologian John Piper puts it, the crucial issue in advancing the kingdom of God is not the quantity of our faith, but the power of God. Perhaps the people who really are full of faith in terms of the spiritual gift of faith are the ones who truly understand how big God is, how amazing God is. And how can we do that? How can we come to a greater growing understanding of who God is? Well, we can read our Bible and we can learn about him and about what he's done. And then we can step out and we can trust him in our lives. And then we can learn just how much we can rely on him through our experiences and through living life. Through all of life, we can know just how deep and high and far and wide is the love of God that sustains us. When we experience blessing and breakthrough and when we experience disappointment, when we experience joy and blessing, And when we experience grief and hardship, all of those things can draw us deeper and closer to God. Faith doesn't just grow because God keeps our comfortable Western experience ticking over. Even in the valley, he is faithful. The light shines in the darkness. 
when you saw just one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Our gift of faith can grow even in the most difficult or wonderful of circumstances. And in those moments, we can understand more of God's heart for people, his heart for justice, his desire for mercy, his desire for truth. And so when we, when we pray, when we're actually asking God for things, we're not just going to him uh, with like our own shopping list of our circumstances, a kind of like an Amazon wish list that's pointed at heaven. But rather, we're drawing close to our loving Father and we've actually learnt about him and we've learnt about the kind of things he's involved with and the kind of things that he's passionate about. And we're asking him to move in line with his will and we're trying to ask him to help our lives to be headed in the same direction that he is. We grow in understanding more of of God's desire for love and peace and justice. So we can really pray with faith because we're asking him for the things that he is really seeking to do. And we realize that he's not limited by the size of our faith. But we're the ones who, who are limited by not truly understanding how powerful and awesome he is. And maybe even not letting go enough of ourselves to rely on him as much as we can. And as we start to realize this, our faith grows. So just like with all of those other spiritual gifts, we can and should ask God to increase our faith, to give us the gift of faith. Because the Holy Spirit will respond and will give us more faith for our day-to-day lives. And and as this faith grows in us, then we'll have more, almost like a greater capacity to trust God for his miraculous activity in our life. And it's almost like there's a cycle here. We ask for it. The Holy Spirit builds us up so we can step out. And then when we step out, we see God move. And that gives us confidence to ask for more, which he gives us. And then we can step out some more and we can actually grow and we can actually build and live lives that are growing increasingly full of faith. So being saved is a gift and growing in faith is a gift. This isn't just some kind of like power of positive thinking pep talk going on. It's not something that we just need to think differently and it will be okay. We're talking about something that we receive from God that will change our heart in a situation so that we can rely on God more because we know to an even deeper and greater extent who he really is. And within the Christian community, one fantastic thing that we get to do is we get to encourage one another to grow in our gift of faith. Sharing stories about what God has done. Emily and Jason, for example, have done that for us this morning in a quite astonishing way. We hear that story of what God can do in people's life and it builds our faith. It grows our faith. And I think to myself, well, we've got this alpha course starting in the new year. Who can I invite? Will they say no? Will they reject me? I ask those questions. Who who is it that God wants me to invite to come and find out more? 
and I can lack faith. I can feel fear of, of, of not knowing who to invite or whether they'll say yes or not. And yet I hear those stories and I think to myself, God is moving and he is way bigger than my stress over who I should give a postcard to. So actually, that's going to increase my faith to invite people, even though the circumstances that they're currently in might not feel like it's a, it's, you know, like they're going to say yes. But then I hear, well, actually, there's lots of people there who, on the outside, they might it, it might look complicated, but they're crying out for someone to say, "Did you know that Jesus loves you? Do you want to come and find out more?" And so our faith is stirred and it grows because people talk about what God has done. When we hear how God has worked in ordinary people like us in an amazing way because of their faith, it builds our own faith. And our faith can grow for what God will do in and through us, in our circumstances and in our situation. Can we have the next slide up? I want to give you a brief history lesson now. This is a picture from the early 1800s taken from the corner of English Bridge looking towards this site. And that red building in the background that you see is the site of a cotton mill built by a Mr. Hulbert in literally about 1803 or something like that. The white building in the foreground is a pub that's no longer there, and the red houses behind it are what is part of Marine Terrace, which you can still see going towards the English Bridge in Shrewsbury. But the building in question is that mill run by a Mr. Hulbert, a cotton mill, using the waters of the confluence of the Reebrook and the River Severn to mill cotton. But Mr. Hulbert was a Christian believer, and he was particularly provoked that the traditional churches of the town were not reaching the people like his own workers. And so he stepped out in faith, and he started using his mill building as a Sunday school, and at times for uh, Christian gatherings, non-conformist gatherings. And at its height, they were getting 600 children on a Sunday, to his mill building to hear the good news of Jesus in the early 1800s. And for a period of some 30 to 40 years, the gospel was expressed through a local businessman using his building and stepping out in faith. He wasn't a pastor or a preacher in that sense. He was a local person with a sense of God's heart for the people who weren't currently being reached. And so he stepped out, and there was witness for a generation to those people in our town because of his faith. Fast forward 200 years, and Barnabas Community Church wanted to buy a building that we could use as a place of worship, but especially a place where we could reach out into the same communities of our town. By then, this place was an army drill hall, which you can see it still is today, then owned by the Territorial Army. And can I tell you, in the history of our church, I'm not sure anything has built our faith more than when we realized that even the ground 
upon which our building sits, this site on the confluence of the Rebrook to the River Severn, 200 years ago, in a previous generation, was used by Christian believers looking to reach out in exactly the same way that we are today. Someone in a previous generation stepped out in faith, and we in our generation are seeking to step out in faith and to show and explain the good news of Jesus to the community around us. Let's be a people who, in years to come, our community will remember us, not because of the noise that we made or the traffic that we created, but because of the faith that we showed, because of the way we mirrored God's love and heart and concern for the community, and because they can see that we're growing closer to God, and that as a people and as a community, we're growing together in this gift of faith. Amen.